Somehow my son is bent at a 90 degree angle sleeping. It's probably comfortable. Oh no, that's like a crime scene. Welcome to the Two Woke Nerds Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Before we get started, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton with visibility. Share this with your friends, your coworkers, somebody you know loves nerd news. Always, you can shoot us an email, twowokenerdspod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at twowokenerds. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who has already changed his release date because the Avengers moved up a few weeks, Raymond Summerlin. Ray, how are you doing? Yeah, I got to get out of its way. Got to get out of Avengers' way. You know, give, give my movie enough legs. I uh, I assume that this was all about, you know, their recent acquisitions of Deadpool. Although Deadpool moved up as well. And the Solo movie. Maybe this is a good sign for the Solo movie. I don't know. It's really weird this close to it to have this big of a movie move up. But, you know, who knows? Maybe this was part of their marketing plan, like the whole way around. It's just It's just really weird. And I mean... We were talking about it before before we came on. Like pre-sales have to be happening soon. I was a little surprised that pre-sales weren't already going on when they announced the change. They they've got to be coming up soon. So yeah, it's a it's a weird thing, but you know, it doesn't matter. They could have they could have announced the movie was happening this Friday and it still made a bajillion dollars. So I, I don't think it's gonna affect anything. I think if they announced that it was coming out this Friday, they would make a jillion dollars. I feel like I've, that would I've said, like, how many times have I said that a movie needs to do that? A movie just needs to drop. Now, Cloverfield tried to do that, but it was terrible and it was on Netflix. Like, a movie, like a real, like, big movie like this just needs to say, oh, yeah, we're releasing this Friday. It would be insanity, all of the tickets they would sell. It would be unbelievable. Yeah, uh, so what we alluded to is the Avengers moved up a few weeks, and now it's coming in April, which is like, what, six weeks away, so uh, the Avengers now will be on April 27th. Uh, Shortly thereafter, the Rampage film decided it was going to move its release date up a little bit to give it a little bit longer legs. You know, The Rock tends to make a lot of his money on the back end of his films because people are like, oh, that movie didn't suck as bad as I thought it would. Jumanji made like two and a half million dollars last weekend. Yeah. I like Jumanji's been out since what, November? Yeah. And it's still vacant. Jumanji is the craziest. If you play the Fantasy Movie League like I do, you should join it, fantasymovieleague.com. Jumanji is just the craziest thing that's ever happened. It's it's nuts. The rock has some sort of special powers. Yeah, so it clears up some space in May for things like we talked about it. Solo has a little bit more uh, room, and maybe that's why they did it was so the Avengers legs would fall off, and then you've got Deadpool in the middle of May, and then Solo a week after. So maybe Disney's just trying to own the summer, which I'd totally be okay with. So we've got uh, we've got some news we're going to talk about this week, a few trailers, uh, some rumors, and then we'll obviously close it out with some don't. Sleep on it. So we got 
uh, another Marvel trailer, MCU trailer. Uh, we talked last week about Miss Jessica Jones. So we got another uh, Marvel TV trailer. Luke Cage dropped a trailer uh, with very little fanfare. Just decided, hey, we're going to drop this on you. So, Ray, you saw it. You actually alerted me to its presence. So uh, what did you think about the the direction for Luke Cage Season 2? You know, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting on some of the things I think we didn't see in it. We did not get to see Misty's new arm, although they did release some stills with it that showed the arm, and it was surprisingly non-cartoony, which I guess I should have assumed that for the Marvel Universe it would be very kind of realistic and, and down-to-earth, but it was it was nice to see that it wasn't all shiny and, and ridiculous like what we see in the cinematic universe. It, it looks like a just a prosthetic arm, and what we'll see what that's about. And then we also did not see Danny. We did not see Iron Fist which I, I thought that that was going to be somewhere we're going to go. But, you know, late in the trailer, they say, you know, go ahead and get paid, which is an interesting line, which might point to something that I know you are very, very interested in seeing. So what do you think about that? Yeah. So when they say get paid, black man, the first thing that jumps to everybody's mind is heroes for hire. There like you that's, go, yeah. But they've made jokes about them not being heroes for hire in both Luke Cage season one and Iron Fist season one. But... I think pairing those two characters up solves the problems that both those series had. Yeah. Where the second half of the Luke Cage season one, which, spoiler alert, pause, 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 after Cottonmouth dies, like, that to me is um, where that season dr- started to drag. And so adding some new blood into it and getting some things Started to drag is very, is very, very kind. It was yeah. terrible. It, it was fell terrible. off of cliff. <laughs> Let's just be real. That was the beginning. That was like, like that point was like the beginning of Marvel, Netflix, Marvel's like downfall. Like Cottonmouth dying was like the turning point for the whole thing. It, yeah. So they need something here. Yeah. And so that'll be interesting to see. I, again, I think the characters, especially in, in this Marvel TV universe need each other. I think those two characters, really some of the best parts of the Defenders were those two characters kind of making fun of each other and getting on each other's nerves. So uh, I would love to see uh, them be uh, tied together at some point in, in outside of a Defenders series. And maybe it's when we do Phase 3, whatever, of our uh, TV universe. Maybe we just get Jessica Jones, Daredevil, and Heroes for Hire, which I'd be all aboard for. Yeah. I mean, but they've already, obviously, we're not going to get it this time because they've already even announced a new Iron Fist. But, you know, you can, as we've learned with Hulk in the cinematic universe, you can sneak, you can sneak storylines into, into these movies. So <laughs> the full Hulk movie that we now have based on, based on three <laughs> other movies. So, so yeah, so it's going to be interesting there. there. The music choices in Netflix, uh, teaser trailers, trailers always have significance. This one is I Ain't No Joke by Eric B. and Rakim. Any significance there, do you think? Um, well, I think he's trying to reclaim some of his identity. All right. I think would be one of the things just really it's there in the title. Uh, I would be interested to, to, to see that. Yeah, it just I, – I, I kind of went back through the lyrics. I, I obviously know the song, but I, I'm not super – I don't know all the lyrics off the top of my head. Did, there wasn't anything interesting in there. So I, I'm – yeah, I don't know where that's going from. Maybe – they don't all have to mean – they don't all have to be significant, but I, I thought that – I thought that – you know, there would be something there, and I think that maybe you're right. It's just like, hey, you know, I, I'm the man. I'm doing this now for real. 
like let's 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 cut through the crap and let's let's get after it. So I don't know. We'll see. Shifting from Marvel, we're gonna jump. Actually, let's keep it Marvel, and we'll talk kind of tangentially Marvel, the Fox Marvel that now I guess is Disney, right? I think Disney owns this now too. I, how does this work? I don't know. I have no idea what's happening anymore. Okay. Anywho, so we got another trailer for Legion, which was one of the breakout TV hits of, of last season. So we got a, a trailer for, um, for Legion season two. It came out literally the morning that we're recording. Somehow it only has like 9,000 views on YouTube. So people should watch Legion. Uh, Thank you. so Ray, we both love Legion. You probably love it maybe a little more than I do, but this was kind of a psychedelic, like, weird funky surreal trailer so what did you think about uh the legion season two trailer well i loved it i mean it starts with what, what's the last thing you remember right it starts with that and it, they've made it clear there was a there was an almost teaser trailer featuring aubrey plaza who uh, no spoilers but featuring aubrey plaza uh who is a very important character in season one who which she says essentially tells that everybody the entire events of season one we're in your imagination, right? She's essentially just saying that. That's probably not true, but we'll have to see what happens here. But they've made it pretty clear that this season is going to dive even deeper into that idea of what is reality, right? Those into those waters. We're going to have to try to figure out what's really going on. Where are we? Are we in David's head? You know, what? what's going on here? And I, I, I like that idea. I like kind of diving more into it. That's one of the reasons I really enjoyed the show seems that there's going to be a time element this this season which is going to be interesting so yeah i that trailer we even got the dance numbers in there that trailer is everything that i want legion to be and i i just couldn't be more excited about it if you have a month still go and go and binge the first season of legion and be ready for it because I, I absolutely love that show yeah and the thing i like about it is that they are they're not shying away from some of the weird Chris Claremonty things about this. Like, uh, you see, they talk about the Shadow King, who is yeah. a very—I mean, he was created by Chris Claremont in uh, the, the late '70s, early '80s, if memory serves. Um, and it's just a—it's just kind of a weird. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but like, the character is like a. Like former Nazi special agent, and it's just like there's so much weird stuff tied in with with uh, Amal Farouk is is the character's yeah. name, but the comic character is the Shadow King. So it's just it's they're not shying away from the weird. Like the things that uh, made the first season good was how weird it was. Like it was just so unexpected, and you didn't really know what to expect. And you know, for me, I think they're going to continue to tie this into. Uh, X-Men mythology without telling you they're doing it because you can't really have Legion. You can't have David. You can't have, you know, Shadow King without tapping on the the mutant elements and really leading into it. So I'm excited. Legion, phenomenal show. Uh, more people need to watch it. If it gets canceled early, I'm probably going to rage just a wee bit. But you never know. You know, Disney, I think, owns it now. So maybe they can bring it to Netflix or do something uh, fun with it moving forward. And it seems like we're going to get a lot more Jermaine Clement, which anytime. never a bad thing. Yeah, just any time. Who, who? By the way, everybody, go look up uh, a photo of he used to play for the Red Sox. I think he signed for somebody else. Reliever, Major League Baseball reliever Joe Kelly. It's every time I see him pitching, it's the weirdest thing in the world because he looks exactly like Jermaine. I'll allow it. Yeah, I can see that. 
It freaks me out every time I see him out there. I could I could totally totally see that. So now we'll switch gears and go from Marvel to DC. Very very uh, comic book, uh, TV and movie heavy today. So uh, first thing, this was kind of some passing news. Um, Kristen Wiig is in talks to play the villain of. Wonder Woman 2. So uh, it's already been confirmed that Dr. Barbara Ann Minerva, a.k.a. The Cheetah. There you go. Is going to be our villain in uh, in Wonder Woman 2. But then Kristen Wiig is now tied to a character that doesn't really seem to normally fit what Kristen Wiig does on screen. Uh, but maybe it's the old, like, you can do comedy so you can do serious. I, I don't know. So Ray, uh, after we had such a, a good showing... Of Wonder Woman, we could agree that Wonder Woman was a good film. Uh, what does this do for your your feelings about Wonder Woman moving forward? It's so weird, man. I like I don't I don't understand. I really I really am confused by what's going on here. And I mean, to be fair, when Wonder Woman was being cast, there were a lot of there were a lot of red herrings thrown out there. So you know, maybe maybe this is going to happen. But this is a really confusing one. And uh, I mean, I love Kristen Wiig. I, 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 about once a month it seems I spend time going through Kristen Wiig uh, presentations, presenting awards because she presents awards as well as anybody. Her and Steve Carell and Will Ferrell have the funniest presenting uh, uh, like speeches ahead that you ever see. Love Kristen Wiig, absolutely adore. Her. I don't know if this is for her. Like I'm not sure. I'm not sure what she's going. Like how this would even work. I guess she kind of plays a villain in the Despicable Me franchises, but it's just your voice. Like I, I don't know. I'm confused. But I, I, Patty Jenkins has earned the benefit of the doubt. So whatever you want to do, go ahead and do it. But it's it's weird, right? Isn't that the right word? Weird. Yeah, weird is the way that it struck me. That's literally why I included it. Like normally we're not like, oh, this person's kind of talking. But Kristen Wiig feels like an interesting choice. Now, granted. There were, like you said, a lot of things about the DCEU, and there are a lot of interesting choices that are being made about the DCEU uh, currently. But yeah, I, I'm again. You're right. She does get the benefit of the doubt. You know, the the problematic third act or you know ending of that film notwithstanding, Wonder Woman was a really good movie. Like it was a really really good flick. And so yeah. uh, Patty Jenkins gets the benefit of the doubt. Um, I'm interested to see what the story is because that obviously will have a lot to do with it and. You know what? It's it's Gal, Gal Gadot, Gadot. I always say it wrong. Gal Gadot is still going to be there. Uh, Patty Jenkins is still attached. So I I'm in. Like I'll, I'll see it. It'll be a fun ride. Hopefully, it continues the upward trend of the uh, DC films. Maybe they don't go with like the whole her changing into Cheetah on, on the full moon or whenever she changes Cheetah. I forget when she changes into Cheetah. Maybe she's just the archaeologist, and so that I don't know. I'm trying to make it work in my brain. I can't. It's just, it's weird. That's that's the word. It's weird. Yeah. I, I don't see, at least I hope we don't see a fully furry Kristen Wiig. Like, I don't yeah. want to, that would not, that would not do anything for me. And I hope it wouldn't do anything for anybody, but you never know. So sticking with the DCEU, our last piece of news uh, after, um, after, uh, Rick Fumiyawa, Fumiyawa, am I saying that right? Fumiyawa? No idea. Yeah. Anywho, uh, after, after Rick left, um, <laughs> the, uh, the flash, we were kind of like, who's going to direct the film? We're not sure what's going on. Uh, and so 
we got some good news that um, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who are probably most recently known for directing Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, have signed on now to direct uh, the Flash film. And so that gives us a couple of things to think about. One, tone, and two, uh, DC is continuing this interesting trend of making good decisions about its movies. So yeah. we're going to have to start retiring our jokes here pretty quick, Ray, if if, if things keep trending in this direction. Well, uh, my first takeaway is that John Francis Daly was the new waiter uh, named Mitch in Waiting, <laughs> and I will never, ever get over that. It's just the weirdest thing to me that he's now a big-time blockbuster director, but uh, he's also in Bones, Yep. With the girl from Napoleon Dynamite. Just a fun little intersection of the mid-2000s comedy scene there. But, um, yeah, I think it's... I mean, obviously, these guys these guys did a good job with, with Marvel's version of what DC wants The Flash to be, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's obviously... They want The Flash to be their Spider-Man. These guys did a good job in Spider-Man Homecoming. It makes sense to do it. And it also makes sense to make the movie that at least from what I read they're making, which is Flashpoint. That's one that makes a lot of sense for DC because they they really want to reset everything that's happened here. So it makes sense to do that. So yeah, I think everything when I look at this, I think all of it is is good for where for where they're headed. Especially, you know, if Aquaman ends up being good like it's reportedly going to be, Wonder Woman two. Yeah, it's it's things are looking up at least. I don't know where this falls in their slate because they've got, you know, set to release. You've got Aquaman that already has a release date in December. Uh, Shazam, which we saw some uh, yeah. some set photos of of that, and it looks it looks to be pulpy and fun. Which yeah. Zachary Levi in a muscle suit, I can get behind. Uh, <laughs> then Wonder Woman two, Cyborg, and Green Lantern Corps. So I don't know where Flashpoint is going to fall in this because they've also, I mean, they've got like ten or twelve or fifteen films that are on their slate. Uh, I would assume that if they're moving forward with um, the Batman that Matt Reeves is doing that's supposed to be unconnected and with the unconnected Joker film. And I would imagine that Flashpoint would jump up and just let us do, just let all the DC movies be Elseworld movies. They're not yeah. connected. And then maybe if we want to, we can bring them back together for, uh, for a, uh, for a Justice League movie. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe that's the last Batman film as we do, or the next Justice League is the end of Flashpoint where, Superman is emaciated and hidden from the sun and blah, blah, blah. And it gets really fun. So I don't know where this is going, but uh, back on subject, John Francis Daly and, and Goldstein, like those guys make fun movies. That's what they do. Like Spider-Man Homecoming, the one thing you can say about it is that it was fun. It was a good time. They really captured um, a balance of lighthearted and serious. They were able to shift back and forth really well between the two, which is what I think... Uh, has not been done well with the Flash. I think he leans maybe a little too slapsticky, but it was still fun, and that's what it needs to be going forward. Yeah, I agree with all of it. Love it. Love it. Well, that I guess brings us to everybody's part of the uh, favorite part of the show. Your favorite segment, my favorite segment, your grandmother's favorite segment. Don't sleep on it. So, Ray, what can the good folks not sleep on this week? Well, there's really not much to say here. Except to tell you that Atlanta is back on television. And if you did not watch the first season, you should catch up, which is easy because they're only 30 minutes. So it's not, it doesn't take you any time to catch up. If you watch the first season, you should make sure to watch this one. I've you know watched the first episode last week. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Cat Williams was in the first episode and was just 
spectacular. Like it was perfect. <laughs> it was absolutely perfect. So I I love it. I love the show. I think this this season's going to be just as good as the first. So watch Atlanta. It's really great. Yeah, I I need to. I'm I'm a few episodes behind, but yeah, what, from what I've seen of Atlanta, it's it's so good. Do not miss it. Like Donald Glover's just taking over the world. Like, and I'm yeah. okay with it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not angry about that. No, I welcome our our childish overlords. So <laughs> my don't sleep. This may be the least sleepy thing that I've ever talked about on here. But uh, the Godfather just recently hit Netflix. Yeah. And The Godfather, widely regarded as one of, if not the greatest film of all time. Behind uh, Forrest Gump, obviously. <laughs> obviously, yeah, for right, <laughs> not, not at all. No, so, really what I wanted to talk about it is because you, when you see movies that are like widely lauded as, oh, this was such a great seminal piece of filmmaking, right? And you go back and watch it, and it kind of sucks. But The Godfather doesn't seem to suffer from that. Like, you go back and you rewatch it, and unlike most movies that were made in the 70s, like Dog Day Afternoon, love that movie, you can tell it was made in the 70s. Most Al Pacino films prior to Heat, you can tell that they were made in that period. Godfather is one of those few films that, when you say the phrase timeless, and I feel like it's overdone, actually is timeless. Yeah, Like, you go back and you watch it, and it's just such a perfectly made film. Like, it's why, you know, Francis Ford Coppola is Francis Ford Coppola. Like, it's it's just, it's a, it's an amazing film. It's a perfectly made film. It's so efficient. Uh, it's done really well. And I got back into it because a coworker of mine hadn't seen it before and decided to watch it, and he could not stop talking about it. And I was like, yep, we're going to go ahead and watch that again. And it was exactly what I remembered it being, which is why Al Pacino is known as a good actor. Like it's not the Al Pacino goes low and then Al Pacino goes high. Like it wasn't that Al Pacino. It was an actual good performance. It was subtle. It was the undertones. It's just, there's so I could talk about the Godfather for hours, but if you have never seen the Godfather one, what are you doing with your life? And that's not the Godfather numeral one. That's like one, my first point one, what are you doing with your life? And two, Go watch it right now because it is by far one of the greatest films of all time. And then go watch its sequel, which is also in probably the top five or, or seven films of all time. You made an interesting point about timelessness. I was actually thinking about this because you know, the Oscars were last weekend and Shape of Water, which we both liked. And you obviously love Del Toro. Um, yeah, no, and I obviously like Del Toro as well, obviously. Hellboy for forever. Yes. But the – but – Shape of Water was not the best picture of last year. It just wasn't. And that's fine. Like it, It's fine to say that a movie was really good, but wasn't the best picture. I loved Atomic Blonde. It wasn't the best picture, right? And so I think we do this a lot. We've done this before. We go back and look at these years, like the year Titanic won over to Good Will Hunting, which just at this point is absurd. It's just patently absurd. Yeah. But like you go back and you look and you see that these movies – don't age. And it's interesting to even go back, you know, four or five years and see, look at these movies. And Shape of Water really seems like one of those movies that's not going to age well. And maybe Get Out's going to be the same thing because Get Out is such a, I thought Get Out should have won, but Get Out is such a moment movie, right? And mm-hmm. we have so many of those moment movies. Uh, Spotlight seemed like a moment movie. We have some of these, some of these moment movies. And, I, and that got me thinking, like, what movie is going to age the best out of this? What's going to be, like, not the Godfather, because the Godfather is obviously different. But what's going to be the most timeless movie out of this year? It might end up being Lady Bird, right? Might be because is, that is ever going to change. 
is that experience ever going to change? Probably not, right? Probably not. So. Like that's probably how mothers and daughters are going to interact with each other until the heat death, right? So like <laughs> so like from them maybe. So that's so yeah, so I don't know. It's an interesting idea, but I think you hit on a point that I've been thinking about recently, that I, that idea of timelessness and and how how important it is and why Forrest Gump is the greatest movie ever made. Well, and, <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> well, we could talk about the the Academy Awards real quick. That that felt like the the Del Toro Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, and like, I, that's fair. Like that happens. I understand that happens. Um, I, I was listening to Sean Finnessy from The Ringer and their wrap-up show, and he said, I wish they would stop giving people Oscars for their fourth best movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny. It's true. Like, you go back and you go, look, and no one remembers ultimately what you won the Oscar for. But, like, you go back and you look and you go, oh, yeah, it's always not for the – like, the fact that the, – because I Three Billboards, I think I even talked about it on this, it was not a good movie. It had some really good performances in it by the people who won and also Woody. But it wasn't a great movie. <laughs> uh, Woody was great in that movie. Woody should have won over Rockwell. I don't know if that's a hot take, but Woody was fantastic in that movie. But, but yeah, but Frances McDormand needed an Oscar. So yeah. <laughs> she gets one. Like, that's kind of like the way it goes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. It's just a funny idea. Yeah, that was, the, that was the, hey, we screwed it up when Pan's Labyrinth didn't win Best Foreign Language Film. So let's go ahead and give this yeah. to you. Exactly. Yeah, like, lifetime achievements, those happen. Were there any that you were super upset about about the Oscars? This, I can't think of any except Best Picture, kind of, but I can't think, really think of any. No, this this uh, year really felt um, like they got it. Like it, not that they got it right, but that they didn't screw anything up. Like there's always that one that feels like where there's like ah that one kind of sucked. But I didn't really have a ton of that this year. I mean, if if Blade Runner twenty forty nine hadn't won yeah. cinematography, you'd hear us rage and we'd just spend thirty minutes of today raging about how that's the biggest atrocity in, in the last fifteen years. It's the biggest atrocity since he didn't win it the last thirteen other times he should have won it. <laughs> well well yeah, we can <laughs> that another one. That was a lifetime achievement award, but they actually gave it for a good movie. Like they gave it for the movie that should have won. I think the one that you quibble with is Gary Oldman, but then you have to then you have to be upset that Gary Oldman has an Oscar. And who's upset that Gary Oldman has an Oscar? Like at this point, he should have one, right? So it's yeah. just that it's one of those things where I don't know how you. I really don't know how you get upset about. It. Like I, I think you can make an argument of. Uh, I'm going to try to say your name, Sasha Ronan is Sorsha, yeah. Sorsha Ronan. I don't. You can make Ronan. Yeah, something Ronan. She was probably better than McDorman, uh, yeah. and that movie was better. But, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, it's, yeah. It, you kind of have to wait your turn in these things, unless you're Jennifer Lawrence. Because apparently, Jennifer Lawrence's cycle runs faster than everybody else's. Because now we're already into the we hate Jennifer Lawrence phase. So, it's not that we hate Jennifer Lawrence, <laughs> it's that Jennifer Lawrence may have gotten a little oversaturated. I'm telling you that I am, that's, I'm using the collective we there, by the way, because it's certainly not on, certainly not on this side of the microphone hating Jennifer Lawrence, but it seems like the collective we have turned the corner on her. So her, her cycle runs faster than other people's, apparently. Clearly. I, I, you know what? Maybe Jennifer Lawrence is the Hillary Swank of, of the 2010, the 2010s. If she, if she could make Karate Kid, if she's, she should be in the new Karate Kid remake. <laughs> well, I feel like, was Hunger Games her Karate Kid, like her popcorny movie, and then she made the Oscar movie, and then she kind of just disappeared? She made multiple Oscar movies, though. Yeah, she true. made a bunch. Very, very. She's true. gonna, she's gonna come back. Don't worry. Her and Emma Stone are gonna make a their Thelma and Louise, and then it's gonna be on again. 
confirmed two oak nerd scoop jennifer lawrence and <laughs> i'd watch that I, act like i, I would watch that. that i'd watch the crap out of that <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in again this week ray where can the good folks find you on the internet you could find me you could find me scooping jennifer lawrence uh movie details on twitter at rm summerland uh you can find me on twitter i am at gh goodridge follow the show on twitter at Two woke nerds and choose an email to woke nerds pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening in again this week. And until next time, stay woke. Stay woke. Stay woke.